This is a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. days that are past, how far 
story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell of the cross where they nailed him, writhing in anguish and pain. Tell of the grave where they laid him, tell how he liveth again. Love in that story so tender, clearer than ever I see. Stay, let me weep while you whisper, love paid the ransom for me. Welcome to worship, good neighbors. You are listening to a Neighbors United in Christ Parish Worship Service, sponsored by the Lutheran Churches of Deronda, Little Falls, and Trinity. My name is Lauren Tagg, and thanks today to Jim Haugerud and Debbie Tagg, our musicians. Our reader and provider of the children's message is Eileen Clatton, and our recording engineer is the great fisherman Isaac Christensen. You are able to join us by NUIC podcast and at 8 a.m. each Sunday morning on WPCA Radio 93.1 FM and its live internet stream on www.wpcaradio.org. If you'd like to help sponsor these services or donate to our ministry, you can contact us by phone at 715-268. 9577, or by mail at NUIC Parish, 1578, 85th Avenue, Amory, Wisconsin, and through our website at www.nuicparish.org. Today's radio broadcast is in memory of Joyce Olson, sponsored by her kids in honor of her 20, on her birthday on the 25th. We want to thank the kids of Joyce and WPCA Radio for this broadcast. Some other announcements are that on October 1, we'll be holding First Communion classes at Deronda Lutheran from 9 to 12. And October 2nd, we'll be having Communion and First Communion for the kids. And Jam Kids are meeting at 5.30 on Wednesday nights for a meal and 6 o'clock for a program. The church is anywhere people gather in Jesus' name. Even when we are not together in a church building, God continues to be present in the creative and intentional ways that we gather for worship. Therefore, wherever you are at this time, worshiping in Jesus' name, your present location is the church. You may want to have a cloth to lay before you, a candle and a cross, You might enjoy making a small worship space to enhance your at-home worship. You may also want to have a Bible and or Bibles for the kids, the home worship materials. As we begin worship, it is our desire to honor God and to open our hearts to the Spirit of God 
love and presence and begin with the invocation and our, our call to worship. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for doing what is right. Rejoice and be glad. Great shall be your reward. We'll continue with our confession and forgiveness. We confess our sins before God and one another. God of promise, you have given us all we are and all we have, and still we have not trusted you fully. We have tried to be God in our own lives, hurting ourselves and those around us in our attempts to control. Wash us clean in the waters of your salvation and bring us back into right relationship with you. God welcomes you home with open arms and forgives you all your sin for the sake of Jesus Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit, live in the promise of God's love, freely given. Amen. I serve a risen Savior, he's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever man may say. I see his hand in mercy, I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. In all the world around me, I see his love and care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blasts. The day of his appearing will come at last. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian, lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King. The hope of all who seek him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Living for Jesus. A life that is true, striving to please Him in all that I do. Hear 
didst give thyself for me. I own no other master, my heart shall be thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live, O Christ, for thee Living for Jesus, who died in my place, bearing on Calvary and my sin and disgrace. Such love constrains me to answer his call, follow his leading, and give him. Lord and Savior, I give myself to Thee, for Thou in Thine atonement didst give Thyself to me. I know no other master, my heart shall be Thy throne, my life I give henceforth to live. O Christ, for Thee alone. Living for Jesus wherever I am, doing each duty in His holy name, willing to suffer affliction or A part of my cross O Jesus, Lord and Savior I give myself to Thee For Thou in Thine atonement Didst give Thyself for me I own no other master My heart shall be
Good neighbors, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Please join me in the prayer of the day. Faithful God, you prospered the work of Joseph's hands in good times and in bad. Give us Joseph's unfailing love for you, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we might overcome whatever life throws at us. Amen. I encourage you now to share the sign of peace, to bless yourself or someone worshiping with you today, beginning with a touch on the forehead and using the Trinity formula, be blessed, or I am blessed in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Or you might use some other words that would be meaningful in what you need in your life or what you want to give to someone else. At this time, we turn to the Holy Scriptures, and if you have a Bible with you, I invite you to turn with us and follow along with the Scripture readings. The first reading is from Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 23. Now Joseph was taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. He was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hands. So Joseph found favor, favor in his sight and attended him. He made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and with him there he had no concern for anything but the food that he ate. Now Joseph was handsome and good-looking, and after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, with me here, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my hand. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not consent to lie beside her or be with her. One day, however, when he went into the house to do his work, and while no one else was in the house, she caught hold of his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. While she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled outside, she called out to the members of her household and said to them, See, my husband has brought among us a Hebrew to insult us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And when he heard me raise my voice and cry out, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. Then she kept his garment by her until his master came home, and she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us, came in to me to insult me. But as soon as I raised my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. 
When his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, saying, This is the way your servant treated me, he became enraged. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. He remained there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. He gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's care all the prisoners who were in the prison, and whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The chief jailer paid no heed to anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. The second reading is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So good morning, boys and girls. It's now time for the children's message, or as I like to say, for all of us who are still children at heart. Have you ever used an umbrella? Why do we use one? There are probably a few possible reasons you might need an umbrella. If it's raining outside, I might need an umbrella to protect myself from the rain. It would keep me from getting wet. If it's extra sunny outside, the umbrella could keep me protected from the bright sun. Now, I guess there's not much to be protected from inside, but you never know. I mean, sometimes life gets a little scary. You never know what could happen after all. There are a lot of things we might have for protection, but how can we be protected from fear? How are we kept safe when there are so many uncertainties in life? We have some wonderful promises from God about this. The Bible is full of reminders that we are protected and covered by our Lord. He loves us and wants what is best for us, and he will always keep us safe in times of trouble. In the book of Psalms, we see this prominently. King David was the main author of Psalms. He was a great leader, but he also went through a lot of challenges. People tried to chase him down and take his life. David went through deep fear and sorrow, but he still had hope in God. He knew that the Lord would be near him and protect him, even when others were against him. He described this protection like a stronghold, like God set him above and beyond his enemies. This is how the psalmist describes our protection by God. The Lord will set us far from potential harm. He will give us comfort and peace. We don't need to fear, even when uncertainty threatens our security and everything seems crazy. The Lord's ways are higher than we can understand, but he is always in control. We don't need to fear when we face tough times because God promises us ultimate hope. He is our rock, stronghold, and hiding place. God wants us to seek him and promises his peace and strength when we do. When we love and cling to God, he will guard us in his care. God can do all things, and we do all things through his strength. So why don't we say a prayer of trust and thanks now. Dear God, thank you for protecting us. You are a stronghold and comforter. Thank you for lifting us up and sheltering us. Help us to always seek you and trust you. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.
to start off this sermon with a letter that I got last night and it struck me um, because it's not what we expect in our our Western world it's a story from Campus Crusade uh, or crew and talking about what happened in Africa Maybe by way of introduction, it was a few years ago, we had a group out at Ox Lake and there was about 40 or 50 Ethiopian kids from St. that were living in St. Paul in a church there. And their youth group was, uh, leaders were there. But two of the youth group leaders were from uh, India. And so I asked them, I said, how is it that you, being from India, are living in the United States working with a group of Ethiopians? And they kind of smiled and and they told me their story where he uh, had been persecuting the church in India. He did not like Christianity. And uh, he got very sick one time. And while he was sick, he was met in a dream by Jesus. And it convinced him that Jesus was real and he became a person of faith. A little while later, the, the woman who also had fought Christianity, she had tried other religions because she thought Christianity was a Western religion 
and wasn't intended for those in India. She didn't find them fulfilling, and one time again she had a dream, and there she met Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I heard that. I was kind of astounded because I, I had just read that in Europe that was happening, that a number of people who had become Christian uh, vir virtue of dreams. And that's, I always kind of question those things. But again, this story is one that is powerful. It may not be unlike uh, the story of Saul. Something extraordinary has happened, as this letter starts out. In one of the most dangerous places on earth, a miracle of evangelism has taken place, opening a door for the gospel that defies earthly logic. There's a large nation in Africa, heavily populated, ravaged by terrorists and radical fighters who follow an aggressive religion from the north. There's a woman here, whom I will call Carla, as a radical herself, she was determined to become a suicide bomber. Like many, she hated Christians and threatened to pour boiling water on them. Soon it was to be Carla's turn to earn the favor of her God by murdering all who were not radical enough. She was poised to carry out that suicide bombing to kill many innocent people in a local marketplace. But shortly before she could do the deed, Carla fell sick. During the night, she experienced a profound and very real dream. A man in dazzling white stood before her. her face, his face shone as brilliantly as the sun, but she could not see past the intense light. However, she did hear his voice. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Follow me. You will preach the gospel. Carla awoke greatly shaken, but healed from her sickness. Somehow she knew it was Jesus who had appeared to her. She went to a Christian woman she knew and recounted the dream, and that woman explained the gospel, and Carla prayed to receive Christ. She was transformed by the power of God from death into life made a new creation in Christ. But a few days later, Jesus appeared in a second dream. Carla, go and share this good news with the regional commander. Now she knew that that commander was ruthless and led the most notorious radical group in the region, responsible for the deaths of thousands. When she told her family about the mission Jesus had given her, they said she was crazy and would certainly die. But Carla confidently responded, I was ready to die for a false religion, so I am happy and prepared to die for Jesus. But how was she to reach the commander? For he was heavily shielded by several layers of security and checkpoints, guards ready to kill anyone who came near. She had no idea how to get past all that security. That's when Carla just happened to run into a man at the market who was connected to the radical group. She asked him to take her to the headquarters of this notorious terrorist leader. With great hesitation, he agreed. The two got on his motorcycle, not knowing what would happen. They went through one checkpoint after another, each time passing by heavily armed guards 
who somehow let them pass. Undeterred, and after a 10-hour journey, they approached the fourth and final checkpoint. The man who had been her ride refused to go any further, fearing for his own life. Now she was on her own. Approaching the radical guards, again, somehow, she made it through alive. She arrived at his headquarters, prepared to die. Strangely, though, he granted her an audience. Carla walked into his office and began to explain the gospel, saying that Jesus had sent her. Jesus wants you to know that he is the way, the truth, and the life, she told him. Rather than kill her, the commander sat down at a desk and began to weep. Three days ago, Jesus appeared to me in a dream. He told me that I was on a path of destruction, that I must change my ways, and if I don't, I will be destroyed. Then he told me that a woman was going to come and tell me about the gospel. Carla was stunned and explained as best she could that Jesus was the true and living God, that he gave his life and was raised from the dead to give all who believe forgiveness and eternal life. The commander believed. Carla led him to the Lord. They then talk about the show that they give is the Jesus film, and it's a promo for supporting all of that. But what a marvelous story in a world in which we sometimes think that God has lost his power to act like he did with Saul, who became Paul, who changed our world. Sometimes we give up too easily. And that's where it'll take us to the second part of my message where we talk about Joseph. I'll read again the preaching theme from the narrative. It just gives us good background. Joseph did whatever the Lord asked of him. He led a life of integrity and hard work. He rejected the offer of his master's wife to lie with her. Yet despite all Joseph's best efforts, the behaviors of others changed the trajectory of his life, and he ended up in prison. We may not be able to relate to the details of this story. If you're reading this, you're likely not enslaved to an Egyptian master, nor are you pursued by your master's wife. But the overarching theme is all too familiar. Most of us are obligated to a boss, a landlord, mortgage company, a relationship, the IRS. It is nearly impossible to live completely free of obligations, and often these obligations can push us into situations where we must decide how to behave based on the behaviors of others. In Joseph's case, it was an impossible situation. To lie with a master's wife would inevitably lead to imprisonment or death. These things are rarely kept secret forever. But to refuse her also landed him in prison. Either way, he was bound to suffer, but Joseph always had freedom to choose how he would respond to his circumstances. He could have taken his chances by choosing to lie with the master's wife. Instead, he chose integrity, honor, and loyalty. In prison, he could have chosen despair and given up. Instead, he chose to lean to learn how to navigate the system through hard work. Ultimately, Joseph's decisions to maintain his integrity and step up when opportunity arose led to unparalleled prosperity, 
not just for him, but for all of Egypt and his own family. It took a long time, and he had to suffer greatly to get there. But that's what life is. Life includes waiting and suffering, but also action and celebrating. No life is all bad or all good. Joseph chose to follow his heart even when those decisions led to difficult consequences. When all else looked dire, Joseph always had the freedom to choose how he would respond and act. When he chose God's path, he walked the entire journey alongside God. I love this story because today in our culture, let's face it, our political leaders are struggling. We hear story after story where there is no integrity in the handling of their finances, in handling of their relationships and their marriages. It's hard to believe what they have to say so many times because it's all what is politically correct or what will confuse or will make the most people vote for them, irregardless if it's how they live or how they've acted. So here we have a man, Joseph. I mean, it wasn't just the prison and Potiphar's wife. You look at he was the good boy, the good-looking one. Grew up in a family, and you, know, you always hear the phrase, Mama loved him best, but I think here his father loved him best. And uh, he seemed to do everything right. He, he had all the gifts and a hard worker, and it must have galled his brothers at how much favor went his way. And I don't know about you, but sometimes cheery people can just about drive me nuts. And I think that might be what happened with Joseph, that he was one of those people who just seemed like he could do no wrong and the brothers could do no right. And so out of envy and hatred that grew, they put him in a well and sold him as a slave. But then you have this situation with Potiphar. Potiphar where again, his integrity, he made the right decision, but he ended up in prison again. Where was God in all this, you might ask, or he might have asked, but it seemed like he just went forward and kept moving forward, doing what was right. And then you hear him get out of prison, and finally there's one other story that we won't share in the next couple of Sundays anyway, but in the end, the brothers come seeking help because famine was in the land and he was in charge of handing out the food. And guess what? Reconciliation. He didn't take it out on his brothers that they tried to kill him or that they sold him into slavery. He forgave. And the family prospered in Egypt for many years. Joseph is unique, but he's one that we need to hear in the midst of all of our bad stories of political leaders and others who don't live in there with integrity. We need to remember there are people that do and that have made a huge difference in our world and in our lives. It might have been your parents. It might have been some friend of yours. If you look hard enough, you see them. They just don't blow their own whistle. 
how to be more like Joseph. I think one of the things we need to remember is though sometimes it's difficult. I, I think most of us, uh, if it starts to hurt too much, we either take some kind of pills or whatever else to relieve the pain or try to get some other activity that gets us into a place where we aren't feeling the pain of what's going on. But sometimes God wants us to live through the pain. One of the best examples I know from the sports world was a guy by the name of Emil Zatopek. He was the star of the 1952 Olympic Games as a 30-year-old Czechoslovakian. Some of you think you're over the high water mark at 30 and ought to take a good look, but you ought to take a good look at this fellow. He won three Olympic championships, setting three Olympic records. He's broken the world's record in practically every event from 5,000 meters up. There is hardly a young people who can keep pace with him or person with him in the field of distant running. I saw him in Helsinki. I saw him as he went around the track, and as I looked into his face as he came around the curve, I thought to myself, he can't go two laps. His face was twisted with pain. He had his right arm doubled up beneath him. He looked as though he'd collapsed before the race was over, as though he was going to have an apodectomy right out there on the track. But then he went one lap, two laps, three laps, and he began to increase the pace. Everyone began to fall back, and they got tired, but Zatopek reached out, running every lap faster than the one before. And at the end of about 10 laps, I thought, this guy's fantastic. I've never seen anything like him. He comes in from the marathon, a race over 26 miles, still grimacing with pain, with his right arm tucked under his shoulder, and I'm, letting it, I'm not letting it kid me anymore. That guy could run all day without even batting an eye. We talked to Zatopek afterwards. Do you know how long he trains every day? Six and a half hours. Every day on the, of the year. You can, you can imagine it, or can you? He works out two hours in the morning, three and a half hours in the afternoon, and in the cool of the evening, he goes and runs for an hour before he goes to bed. Is it any wonder that he has broken every record? He said this to me, and it is one of the most interesting comments I've ever heard. I run until I hurt. That's when I begin my training program. When most fellows quit and go in and take a shower, that's when he begins to run harder than ever before. He says, I've learned that if I can just get beyond fatigue, there is a reserve of power that I never dreamed I had. And then I go on to run my best races. It's the ability to hurt and keep on going that has made this fellow the most fantastic runner in all the history of distant running. How does that apply to us? I think it's because most of us know people who have suffered a lot and they are the kindest, most gentle people we know. We know of people who have had to struggle with life and who maintain their faith in God and their witness is strong and powerful to us. One woman in India that uh, E. Stanley Jones talks about had a disease that should have killed her when she was 30 years old. Later she got another disease that was deadly and she still lived. And she said, you know, 
I mean, I've got three or four diseases that probably any one of them could kill me, but they keep battling each other, and so I'm still alive. And then I watched as people came by to talk to her, to listen to her, give words of advice and of hope and of life, because she was a joyful person in the midst of suffering. She was a kind person, not looking at her own hurts, but feeling and working with others' hurts. To be a person of faith is to live through the good, the bad, the suffering, and still believe that God has not abandoned us, but is teaching us and loving us through it all. What a gift, the story of Joseph and the saints who have suffered and still pointed heavenward to the one who loves us. May we do the same. Amen. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil he doth richly Not a grief nor a loss, not a frown nor a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Sweet, we will sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the wind. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no but to trust and obey. Let us confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffering under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. 
he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and a life everlasting. Amen. Faithful God, through Joseph you blessed so many whose lives were in his path. Make us blessings for others so that they may know of your abundant mercy. God of promise, you hear our prayer. Pour your healing upon all who suffer. And we especially remember Becky Anderson, Arlene Johnson, Jean Hoisington, Kelsey Zamuda, Lucille Trofe, Christina Burgett, Helen Erickson, Gary Fredrickson, Randy Goglin, Rachel Seacrest, Julie Dubois, Jim Wade, Scott Morgan, Maury and Lee Nicholson, Dave Christensen, Helen Jorgensen, Edna Henriksen, Dixie and Shirley Taig, Jeanette Helling, Richard Roos, Shirley Lentz, Ida Martinson, Clara Garish, Kevin Christensen. Sustain them through their challenges and bring all into your healing light. God of promise, you hear our prayer. We remember with joy and thanksgiving all the saints whose humble efforts kept churches running smoothly for congregations near and far. Inspire us to follow in their footsteps that you might prosper the work of our hands. God of promise, you hear our prayer. Trusting in your grace and mercy, we lift these prayers to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As people of faith, we are called to continue strengthening the ministry of the church even when we are physically distant. We invite you to prayerfully consider making a donation to our parish, your home congregation, the synod, or somewhere else where the work of the body of Christ is being done to love and serve our neighbors. Gracious and holy God, bless these tithes and offerings we have given for the sake of the kingdom. Let the grace and generosity of the Father be the light that guides us the compassion of the Son be the love that inspires us, and the presence of the Spirit be the power that moves us. We'd like to have communion this morning, so if you would take out the bread and the wine or grape juice. On the night in which our Lord was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body broken for you. After supper, he took the cup, and when he'd given thanks, he gave it for all to drink, saying, This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. So if you take the bread, the body of Christ given for you. Take the wine or grape juice. 
the blood of Christ shed for you. And now may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior strengthen and preserve you unto life everlasting. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you a favor and grant you peace. Amen. Be not dismayed, whatever God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. Thank you for listening to A Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. Our podcast is supported by our three congregations of Deronda, Little Falls, and Trinity Lutheran Churches, our small-town churches in Amory, Wisconsin. If you feel so moved to donate, please visit us online at nuicparish.org. That's nuicparish.org. Until next time. All you may need, he will provide. God will